no matter what hour your clock strikes here, it's always Halloween, and I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. Welcome to Small Frights Friday. On these very special episodes, I like to share a curated selection of calls from the All Hallows Hotline and letters from the Eek Mailbag. But first, I want to thank the Patreon Ghoul Gang, who helps us produce each and every episode of It's Always Halloween and keeps us ad-free, independent, and sustainable. This week, we gathered a few more ghouls, so a big haunting welcome to Jessica, Corey, William, Pumpkin Style Ween, Tiffany, Nora, and Lauren. We are absolutely defrightfully happy to have you in the gang. And signing up means not only are you helping more episodes of the podcast get made, but you get to celebrate Halloween all year round with our special community. Not only do we offer a Discord to connect with your fellow lanterns, but we also have the Kitchen Witch Recipe Club, our Book Club, our movie parties, and bonus ghost story episodes, including our newest one, our supersized special calendar Halloween episode of 1408 by Stephen King. Each bonus episode has original sound design by my co-producer, the amazing Pete Burns. Our next movie party is this Sunday, and we are watching 2019 scary stories to tell in the dark to complement our book club reading this month, which is all three of the original scary stories to tell in the dark. And make sure you get those books with Stephen Gamble's illustrations in them. No substitutions are welcome. I am planning special screenings for us every week of October, so stay tuned for future film announcements. Remember that when you join our film levels that you are paying for the experience of being a part of a community that watches and discusses these spooky films together in a private and cozy environment. Each movie party kicks off with a specially curated 30-minute pre-roll show made up of videos that fit the evening's themed, followed by my 15-minute presentation of detailed yet playful film history, trivia, and analysis. I like to think of our movie parties as the perfect, comfy mashup of film school and a slumber party, so come check out what it's all about this Sunday starting at 4 p.m., Pacific Standard Time for scary stories to tell in the dark. Grim Turn Nathan is extraordinarily passionate about this film, and he will be joining me on video for this screening. And speaking of our marvelous It's Always Halloween team, big happy haunting wishes to our researcher Greg Nussin, who just got married to his beautiful bride, Hannah Pilkus, this weekend. I had the pleasure of attending their wedding. It was hosted in a magical little glen surrounded by fairies and trolls. It was the perfect enchanting event for the most enchanting couple. So happy for you, Greg. I wish you both nothing but bliss for eternity. No, seriously, I don't know why I said it like that. I really do want you to be happy forever. 
This lovely wedding was in NorCal, which gave me and Isaac the opportunity to also swing by the Winchester Mystery House just in time for the opening evening of their haunt, Unhinged Nightshade's Curse. We last visited the Winchester Mystery House in summer of 2016 when we first started dating. We took the hard hat behind-the-scenes tour, which was a historical-based tour where we went to all of the main rooms of the house and the carriage house and the basement and the attic and these more undesirable places that aren't on the usual tour. I highly recommend that tour for anyone who wants to really be able to appreciate the architecture and learn about the history of Sarah Winchester, the mansion, and hear a little bit of the lore and ghost stories associated with it. What makes this haunt special is that you are walking through the Winchester, which has very odd staircases and doorways and lots of rooms that don't make any sense. So even without the fake ghosts and ghouls, it's a pretty disturbing structure to be in. So to get to walk through it at night with all the lights off and the only lighting being spooky atmospheric lighting, and then with creatures jumping out at you, it really added a next level of excitement. It's definitely special to get to walk through the Winchester in this very specific way. Now, if you're looking for major scares, you're not going to find it at this haunt. I would rate this a maybe two and a half out of five ghosts. That being said, Isaac and my friends who I was with who don't go to as many haunts as I do were definitely freaked out by it, and the entire experience was so much fun. They put a ton of effort into it, including a really delightful turn-of-the-century-style sideshow, which had music and theater and axe-throwing and palm-reading and all kinds of wandering sideshow performers. Definitely a feast for the eyes. Oh, and there were mini pies. I had this teeny-tiny pumpkin pie, which was the most delicious and adorable thing I had ever seen. So if you're in NorCal, I think it's definitely worth the trip if you want to have a different type of haunt experience. If you do want just the history, make sure you go on one of the daytime tours. But if you're familiar with the history already and you just want to have a unique Halloween experience inside an architectural marvel with some fascinating haunted history, then definitely check out Unhinged Nightshade's Curse. I think it would be great for teenagers and families because there's nothing that's too violent or ugly or traumatizing. It's a very classic PG-13 boo-ah experience. If you're not in NorCal, I don't think it's worth the money and the travel necessarily, but you definitely should make an effort to go on one of the tours at some point. To just see this house in person is really impressive. If you want to hear me talk more about Sarah Winchester and the Winchester Mystery House, I actually did an in-depth episode with my creative partner, Shannon Brown, for her podcast, This Will Scare You. So I will put that link in the show notes, and it is also on the link tree in our Instagram as well. So I dive a little bit into the history 
of Sarah Winchester on that episode because when you really dive into it, it's less creepy and more sad as many ghost stories are, usually more about grief and mental illness than the fun creepiness of just ghosts. How did you guys spend your first weekend of October? I hope it was something that brought you joy and comfort, and I hope you're not putting too much pressure on yourself. I continue to encourage you to find Halloween in all of the small things around you. After my friends and I went to the Winchester Mystery House, we got Taco Bell. Uh, Not spooky in the traditional sense, but it was quite fun. We sat in the parking lot and devoured our meals. And while we were out there joking around and having a grand time, three black cats tumbled out of the bushes and played around us before running up another tree. And it was such a special moment. It was exactly what I was talking about on last week's episode. If you can stop and give yourself a moment to drink in little Halloween experiences all around you, that will deepen your joy of the season, regardless of how much time or money you have to indulge in this year. I would love to hear what celebrations you're getting into right now. Give us a call at 802-532-DEAD or write us an email at it's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com. Now let's take a call from the All Hallows hotline and check in with a lantern who needs a little advice. Hey, Luce, this is Dakota, and I'm actually coming uh, at you from Washington, D.C. And I was actually just wanting to call. I'm not too sure what episode this might fit in, but. Um, I guess it would fall under the theme of like recommendations because, of course, with someone moving to a bigger metropolitan city, it can be kind of hard to get in that fall Halloween mood. And I've always really enjoyed festivals. I go out, I try to go out at least personally for all of them, whether it be Halloween or, yes, even the dreaded C word. Um, but so I was just uh, wondering if maybe you or any other lanterns had some recommendations for maybe uh, for me and some other people who may have trouble getting into the spirit because they might live in say an environment that isn't as cozy or you know um, Halloween esque. Uh, so to start off with some of my personal ones uh, is music. I'm a big audiophile, and me being both a DJ and just a lover of all, of music of all kinds. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Southern Gothic, but of course I might be biased because I'm from um, the South, South Carolina, if you can't tell by the way I just said that. Um, but Southern Gothic is great because it talks a lot about just the themes of, you know, death and life and family and community, um, but with kind of like a, a dark Gothic twist on it. So, you know, death and the devil and hell with this nice folk Americana. I think that's a very good to get to the Halloween um, spirit. Uh, you can find a playlist on Spotify, but I'm sure there are pl- um, plenty of other playlists for Southern Gothic out there as well. And for uh, TV shows and movies, I think a TV show uh, called Over the Garden Wall, it originally aired on Cartoon Network in 10 episodes, and that's a really great, perfect show to get into the autumn Halloween spirit um, because of just the colors and the cozy uh, music and vibes. I'm sure a bunch of people, uh, especially lanterns, will really um, recognize Over the Garden Wall. Um, it's a really great one that you can watch with your kids, 
Um, if you have any, for any lanterns out there, um, it's kind of spooky, but not too spooky. And it's just the, it reminds me at least of a nice, you know, cold day with like the crisp air and you're at like a fall festival and you're just having some cider and there are like fun activities for the kids to do. Cause I re- remember those during elementary school. And I think the uh, memory aspect of this is a great, um, great um, way to get into the, Halloween mood um, and also for me when it comes to decorations I don't have a lot of space or money but I'm also not very crafty so if you or any lanterns had any recommendations on maybe some light subtle Halloween decorations or fall decorations that I can put up that would be really fantastic Dakota, thank you so much for that call. It's fantastic to hear from another district resident. Although I have not lived in Washington, D.C. for over 10 years, it was four of the happiest years of my life, and I think about it fondly all the time. So I'm really delighted that you reached out. I think that your call got cut off, and I just want to remind all lanterns who call in that the All Hallows hotline has a three-minute limit, but that doesn't mean that you can't call in and leave another message. Oftentimes, we just seamlessly edit them together, and by we, I mean Pete, seamlessly edits the calls together, and so that you, dear listeners, are none the wiser. So don't feel weird about calling in to finish your message. Just be mindful to not call in over and over and over and over and leave like a 12-minute message. (laughs) So Dakota, if there was something left unsaid, feel free to call back in, but I did feel like we got a lot of meat out of this call, so even though it cut you off at the end, I did want to include it. Because I think you ask a great question. How can city people get into the Halloween spirit? You gave some fantastic recommendations of your own, wonderfully in line with the trick-or-treat ethos. Give something, get something. I love your recommendation for Southern Gothic music. I like to put on Southern Gothic playlists myself. That being said, I don't have any bands to recommend aside from Nick Cave, who is kind of at the top of the genre, is like the best musician, in my opinion, who works in that subgenre. Lots of you will probably recognize his song, Red Right Hand, from the Scream franchise. Tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Now, aside from the Halloween classics that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, some Halloween music I like to indulge in comes from Teenage Luce and my favorite bands from when I was in high school and college. I was very into punk and psychobilly at that time. If you're not familiar, psychobilly combines punk and surf and rockabilly music with horror themes which was very up my alley. It's very theatrical and campy and over the top. I really like the bands uh, The Cramps, Tiger Army, Horror Pops, The Necromantics, TSOL, and of course, classic The Misfits. With The Cramps, you can't go wrong. All of their albums are fantastic. Why not start with their very first one, Songs the Lord Taught Us, They have one of my favorite songs to put on a Halloween mix on that first album, 
I was a teenage werewolf. Perhaps some of you have heard that one before. I also was just obsessed with the band Tiger Army and the band The Horror Pops when I was in college. Um, I really recommend their first two albums, Tiger Army's self-titled from 1999 and their second album from 2001, The Power of Moonlight. And then The Horror Pops, I love their first album, Hell Yeah, and their second album, Bring It On. Both of those albums have really great horror-themed and Halloween-themed songs, including a song that I just loved when I was younger called Walk Like a Zombie. As I said, this music's very theatrical, so it may not be for everyone. I caught some heat from my best friends in college who were the music elite. We all worked at our college radio station. Shout out to WBGU 88.1, where we were all notoriously snobby. But if you want something playful and new to you, perhaps you should check out those bands. Another excellent recommendation with Over the Garden Wall, Dakota. I know so many lanterns out there love this show, as do I. I've already rewatched it twice in the last month. I have really been struggling, as many of you know, with pain connected to my teeth, neck, and back. And this show has been very comforting to me. As you stated, the colors, the music, the storylines, the imagery, it all is so evocative of Halloween and fall and speaks to core memories, even though none of us were necessarily wandering the woods with a singing frog and a beast on our heels, yet something about the show feels like home, like an adventure we've all had at some point in our young lives. So you mentioned wanting some advice on how to bring that fall Halloween over the garden wall vibe into your home, despite having no money, no space, and no craftiness, which really made me laugh. And I appreciate this all so much. I really relate to you, Dakota, as I sit here in my tiny goblin closet to record this episode. And struggling with this physical pain since June... I have not been able to decorate the way that I normally do and in the way that usually brings me so much joy, I only have a few hours of energy a day before I have to lay down and it makes it so that I haven't been able to indulge in many of the Halloween things that I look forward to every year and that's been really hard, which is one of the reasons I have been talking about trying to see the little things that are Halloween-ish and embracing them. Sometimes that's just lighting a candle. Do you have any candles in your house? They don't have to be a Yankee candle or even a Bath and Body Works candle. You can get tapered candles and tea lights and little votive candles all at various dollar stores. You could even get for just a little bit more a package of LED tea lights that you can put inside pumpkins or a little lantern or just have around your house. They're a great way to create atmosphere while you're watching a movie, while you're working on homework, while you're just doing laundry. Put all the lights out, have real candles or LED candles out, and all of a sudden it feels like a seance. 
And speaking of seances, look into some of the haunted history of DC and the urban legends. I mean, just off the top of my head, I remember the Bunny Man, the Goat Man, Crybaby Bridge, uh, the Demon Cat who lives at the Capitol building, and even the Hope Diamond is cursed. You can go see it for free at the Natural History Museum and maybe get a little curse rubbed off on you. Not that that's what we want, but also that'd be spooky. And think of how jealous you can make your friends. Being the cursed one, the dream. Learning about your area's haunted history and the urban legends around your region is a great way to give yourself shivers in your own house. And then you can even plan your own field trip, either solo or with your friends to go check out those urban legends for yourself. Of course, it will require a little bit of a suspension of disbelief if you don't scare too easy, but try to tap into that younger part of you who heard scary stories for the first time and really believed them. I really love going on ghost tours when I'm visiting new cities, but sometimes those can be really expensive. So a cool thing to do if you're trying to learn about some ghosts or see something creepy on a budget is to see what the areas are that are covered on local ghost tours and then give yourself that walking tour. As somebody who used to be a tour guide here in Los Angeles, all the information that tour guides have is public knowledge. So you can just go out and dig that information up on your own. Because when you're learning about something scary, it's a Halloween activity, even if you're just on your couch with all the lights off and one little LED light flickering in the background. Another fun, freaky field trip for people living in DC is going to The Exorcist Steps. The classic horror movie, The Exorcist, was filmed and takes place in Washington, DC. So you can go and see a lot of the locations in that movie in real life. Watch the movie and then take a little trip. Likewise, The Blair Witch Project was filmed in Maryland. So you could have a double feature weekend where on Saturday you watch The Exorcist and then go visit the steps in the house. And then on Sunday, you can watch The Blair Witch Project and then drive up through Maryland and go check out the woods. But hold on to your map, would you? Finally, what is it that you love about Over the Garden Wall or any of your regular Halloween viewings or Halloween music? Maybe sit down while that thing that brings you joy plays in the background and make a little list of the feelings that are coming up for you. Or even like if there's a certain color palette that's getting you going, pay attention to that. Maybe you can incorporate that palette into some of your clothes or into some really simple decor like a tablecloth. You know, you can buy fabric really cheap at Joann's with a ton of coupons they always offer online and you don't even really need to hem it if you're not a crafty person, because I'm not either, I've just bought fabric super cheap and then just thrown it over my table. And I'm like, voila, the table is covered. That is a cloth on the table. It is a tablecloth. I don't need to do any more work here. When I was watching Over the Garden Wall recently, I was realizing that it was making me think about soup a lot. And so Isaac went out and got me like tons of cans of like my favorite soup. And I've been having soup almost every night. Part of that is because it hurts to eat, but also it's because soup makes me feel really safe and warm and it gives me Halloween feelings. Sometimes figuring out how to celebrate in a simple way can be just as easy as slowing down and asking yourself what it is that you need. 
A lot of times I need and crave community. So I like to wear my most horror and Halloween themed clothes in September and October because I know I'll get more people to interact with me then and I want to talk to people about Halloween and of course about the podcast and you might not have Halloween themed clothes I get that it's a specialty but I was talking about those bands I like the horror pops the necromantics TSOL I have band t-shirts for all of those bands I have cramps pins so I go through all of my t-shirts and I pull out anything that has a skull on it, anything that's like has a freaky imagery on it at all, anything that could even remotely look Halloween-y. And I put all those at the top of my drawer and I go through them the whole month. Same thing with my dresses. I have dresses that are fall colors, you know, oranges and maroons and browns and yellows. And I pull those to the front and I wear those all month long. So even if it's not directly Halloween, it's autumnal. And I notice that people do want to talk about autumn and fall when I'm dressed like that, because just putting that out there, you bring up those cozy feelings in other people. And that's a great way to connect and celebrate Halloween as well. One more low-budget Halloween decorating idea for you is to print out pictures of Halloween images. Is it movie posters? Is it vintage bicycle decorations? Is it vintage trick-or-treat photographs? As you know, I am obsessed with vintage trick-or-treat photos. So one year, I printed, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 of them out and just decorated a hallway in my house with them. And it was, people were like, who are these pictures of? And I'm like, I don't know, I just like them. <laughs> and they made me happy. And all it cost was, you know, the little bit of printer ink and printer paper. And if you don't have access to a printer at your own house, you can go to the library, you can ask a friend, maybe you could sneak in printing off a couple personal things at work, be creative. Honestly, you could just go get construction paper at Walgreens and cut out little orange circles and use black sharpie and draw little jack-o'-lantern faces on there. Yes, I know that sounds like an activity for a first grader, but this is about just finding some Halloween joy wherever you can muster it. Figure out what it is about the season that makes you the most happy and then see what it is that you have in your house already that you can utilize. Look around your town and see what can be made spookier. Look at the dollar stores, look at your friends' houses, see what you can utilize there. If there's an event that you love but you can't attend, how can you scale it down and do it at your own house? I can't wait to hear from other lanterns because I know that there's so many out there who are so good at DIY projects and I want this to get a conversation going. In fact, I have an eek mail right now that I'm going to share with you that perfectly describes a very accessible Halloween get-together. This eek mail has the subject line, a not-so-scary story about scary stories to tell in the dark, and it comes from our brand-new grim turn, Tom. When I heard this month's book club book was this series, I was ecstatic. I got my wife the whole collection for her birthday a few years back and was able to use them at that year's Halloween party. 
My friend group likes the spooky aesthetic, but doesn't handle frights and jump scares very well. Let's just say that they are wired to the fight side of fight or flight. So for our party, we each spent the first half bookmarking the stories we liked the most from our childhoods. Then, when it was time to read, we lit the candles and turned the rest of the lights in the house off. Each reader stood up in front of the group and read the story with a flashlight. Not their phone, a real flashlight. Whenever there was a picture, they would turn the book around and lean down slowly to show it to each of the circled listeners. The key part was at the end of the story, when the book instructs the reader to yell and grab the person next to them. The reader would hold the flashlight below their face and just whisper, jump scare. <laughs> it was a fun and safe way to share these collections with our new friends and build new memories to go with our old ones. Beautifully put, Tom. I love this story, and it's such a genius idea for a party. And I love the way that you present a party that's different than what some people think of as maybe a costume party or a rager. You really show how you can have a spooky get-together and still make it accessible for all kinds of people, regardless of how creeped out they get, what their income level is, and how involved they want to be at a party. Maybe we can recreate an aspect of this for our book club meeting this month. Just to remind all the lanterns out there, if you want to join us for book club this month and all months, it's at our $6 a month level and our meeting this month is on Tuesday, October 25th. We almost always meet on the last Tuesday of the month and you can show up regardless of how much of the book that you've read you don't even have to talk about it. You can just enjoy the chat or the video company with your fellow lanterns. And in November, we will be reading and discussing The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And in December, we will be reading and discussing The Haunting of Hill House by my favorite author, Shirley Jackson. So don't forget, even when calendar Halloween wraps up, we will still be celebrating spooky stories gathered together, sharing our experiences, much like they've done since antiquity. Sharing ghost stories is something that connects all cultures across time, so I'm excited that we can continue that grand tradition with Book Club. Thank you so much for sharing this story, Tom. I hope we can incorporate a little bit of this idea in our meeting this month. Up next, we have a rather unusual call from the hotline. I have a Halloween memory. It was Halloween 2019, uh, the last pre-COVID Halloween, my last one in downtown Los Angeles, in my old apartment in a building that obviously used to be a Holiday Inn. Uh, they remodeled it, but not that much. Still had the aura of continental breakfast. And it was a weeknight, so I was home early, of course, because weeknight, work night, eight hours of quality sleep, I need them. Uh, normally, uh, before I eased into sweet repose, I enjoyed sitting by the pool, just lounging, relaxing. Sometimes I would rescue bees 
that were drowning in the pool. It was restful. It was the best thing about the building, and it was underutilized. I was the only person that hung out there uh, on a regular basis. Unfortunately, when, when some of the other tenants hung out, it turned into a pool party, and that's what was happening. There was a raging Halloween pool party going on. It was screaming. There was probably an orgy, but every or two dozens of people packed into a small space, so you couldn't really see through the crowd. There was loud music, breaking glass. It was anarchy, and I mentioned it to the night attendant, uh, the one person on staff who was there, and she did not return eye contact. She just looked straight down uh, at her desk and said that she had given them 15 minutes to leave. Two hours later, uh, I'm lying in bed. My wife is out, presumably drinking. She's not returning my texts. The party rages on, and I not going to call the cops because I'm not some nimby creep and I know it's life in the big city. It's loud. There's nothing I can do about this, but I just want everybody to calm down and shut up and go home. I know my wife is cheating on me, but I don't want to admit that to myself yet. Please stop having fun. Someone's going to get hurt. I want to thank my friend Emerson, who called in and shared that offbeat Halloween story with us. He is a friend of mine from the comedy and storytelling scene. That call perfectly distills his style. And <laughs> when I first read the transcript before I actually listened to the call, I was like, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to be able to play this. And then as soon as I listened to it, I knew it was him. I realized it was going to be a little bit of performance art for everybody. And I wanted to share it not just because of Emerson's incredible dark sense of humor and the way that he's able to capture moments and feelings so vividly, but I wanted to share it because I think it's important to remember that we can't control what happens to us during the calendar or Halloween season. Tough things can occur that can color our abilities to celebrate the way that we want to, and it can even impact us for many Halloweens to come. And I just want everyone to know that I see you if you're going through something really hard. I'm struggling right there with you. And just as every season of life is different, every season of Halloween is different, and they can't always be winners. Emerson, thank you for sharing a little bit of your wicked storytelling with us, and I hope that I have the pleasure of performing on stage with you again soon. I want to continue this theme of dealing with other emotions during Halloween with our next eek mail. The subject line is, enjoying Halloween after losing a pet. Hi, Luce. I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning after watching Darling Desi's YouTube video, and I've really been enjoying learning more about Halloween. I want to thank you for bringing me joy and getting me excited about Halloween again. 
On Halloween 2020, my family had to send my dog Satchel to the Rainbow Bridge when he was four years old, and I was there when he took his last breath. For the last few years, I haven't been able to get into the Halloween spirit and fully enjoy it without thinking about his last day on Earth, which makes me sad because I've always enjoyed celebrating Halloween. Do you have any advice on how to celebrate while grieving? Here is a photo of Satchel and I. Thank you, Desiree. Desiree, thank you so much for being willing to share such a difficult thing with us here. It really means a lot to me. And this picture of you and Satchel just radiates such intense joy. I can tell that you guys had a really special connection. This is one of the sweetest little dog faces I've ever seen. He almost looks like a cartoon dog. He's smiling so much. It's really impressive. I'm so sorry that you lost such a lovely friend. It's always absolutely crushing to lose a pet, but especially so young when you're anticipating several more years together. It makes a lot of sense that it's difficult for you to separate your love for Halloween from your grief over losing Satchel. This might be grief that you feel for a very long time, and that's okay. Halloween isn't going anywhere. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I lost uh, one of my best friends in high school, died on 4th of July in 2002. And while 4th of July is not a holiday that I value nearly as much as I care for Halloween, it is a holiday that's very important in our country. And because it takes place during the summer, people always want to do something big and magnificent for it. And for years, I was just so devastated because, you know, fireworks and drinking and pool parties and everything that kind of goes along with 4th of July is so big and loud and all about having the most fun ever. And I was just so sad every single 4th of July. And that happened 20 years ago, and I still think about her every 4th of July. And I would say that it got easier four or five years ago. I still think about her, but I wasn't crying every 4th of July. And that can be hard on your loved ones, people who might want to be celebrating while you're feeling sad. But that's not your problem. You need to let yourself feel as much as you need to feel and you need to figure out who is a safe person that you can talk to about those feelings and you if you're going to be going out with friends make sure they're friends that you can say hey I'm still feeling sad about Satchel I might cry I'm going to be okay but I'm still experiencing these feelings or I might need to, you know, take 30 minutes to myself, or I might leave early, but, you know, don't take it personally. I'm still going through this, but I want to have a good time. Thanks for inviting me. I think it's important to be able to open up to the people around you about um, what you're going through. And don't worry about ruining anybody else's time with your grief. That's something that I'm kind of saying to myself because I'm experiencing a great deal of grief right now connected to my pain. 
there's been a lot of stuff I wanted to do for the podcast. I had a ton of plans for new history episodes, as well as finishing up uh, the local lantern societies. And only being able to work for a couple hours a day has made it so that I can barely even do the small frights episodes. And it breaks my heart. And it's very different than losing a beloved pet. But it's still grief. And I find sometimes that it's hard to be honest about that grief because it feels like a bummer. Even talking about it now, there's a little bit of anxiety in me that's like, ooh, people aren't going to like this. People want to feel cozy. They don't want to talk about real things. And that's not my judgment of you, dear lanterns. It's just uh, that fear. And it's interesting because we love Halloween so much, but sometimes our love of it can get to be in this fanatical way where it's like, I can't ruin it by having emotions that are not fun. Or I don't want to be a bummer with this group of friends. Or I don't want to not party because I always have a party. But if that does not align with where you're at emotionally or what you're able to do physically, it it just doesn't. That's the reality of the situation. And you shouldn't fight to put yourself into a headspace or a physical space that you can't do this year. Forced fun isn't fun for anybody. So once again, I just want to remind you to check in on what your needs are and what kind of celebration you need this year. Sometimes giving back can help work through grief. Maybe volunteering with a local animal shelter and working with dogs in need could be a way to honor Satchel this month. Some towns have dog parades where they dress up their dogs and they do a little Halloween parade. Maybe that would be too much for you, or maybe that would be a fun way to remember what you love about Satchel. If you're talented at drawing, maybe you could draw Satchel in a variety of Halloween costumes. There's really lots of different ways that you can still celebrate this month and also celebrate your connection with your beloved dog. It really just depends on what level of celebration you want and you need and you can handle. And you know what? Let's say you're like, you know what? I think I can do a haunted house this year. I'm going to go. And then you go and then it's like, whoops, this isn't working. I got to bail. Then you bail. That doesn't mean they're going to bail every year. Doesn't mean you won't be able to celebrate Halloween the ways you were able to in the past. It just means it might take another year. Unfortunately, life is always changing, and oftentimes we can't continue traditions the same way year to year, but that doesn't mean that there's not a new tradition right around the corner for you. So this grief might also open a doorway into a new way to celebrate. Let me know what you come up with if you're feeling comfortable, and I hope that this helped. And please know that you're not alone. There are lanterns all over the world who are also struggling with difficult things this month. And again, to those of you that that applies to, I just want you to know that I see you and we care about you and it's okay for Halloween to look different this year. I know mine definitely does. And it's okay that that sucks. It can suck. Sometimes things just suck. Maybe draw a little Dracula with the phrase, this sucks, next to it just to make it Halloween-y. Okay, I have one more letter here that is also 
about grief and the ways in which Halloween can show up for you in unexpected ways. A few years ago, before the pandemic, I took a break from haunting my parents' yard, something I had been doing for about 30 plus years after experiencing loss in my family. When Halloween night came, I didn't quite know what to do with myself, especially while grieving. I was at a loss. My wonderful wife was concerned. She asked what we should do. For the first time, I didn't know what to do on Halloween. It was starting to get dark, and I finally shared that I just wanted to be around the sights and sounds of Halloween. She took me to a nearby town that reminded me of where I grew up, and we just walked amongst the trick-or-treaters, listening to their sounds of joy and a community interacting with each other. We came across a family's haunted yard. It reminded me of my family. My wife and I got in a long line to enter the haunted yard. We had our doggy with us, and after some time, my wife decided to take him for a quick walk while I held our place. Soon after she left, I heard the sputtering sounds of an old engine coming closer. And then I saw it. A jolly scarecrow man driving down the street in a rusted convertible Model T. He drove down the tree-lined street in his rickety car between bustling trick-or-treaters. He had the biggest smile on his face. Before I knew it, he was out of sight. My wife showed up almost immediately after that and I excitedly asked her, did you see that? I enthusiastically described the scarecrow man in the rusted car. She said that unfortunately she hadn't. I stared down the street trying hard to see if I could somehow locate him to show her, but there was no sign of him. And there it was. There it was. That feeling that I felt as a kid, that feeling that inspires some of my art, that feeling that showed up even through the depths of grief, the magic of Halloween. May your Halloween this year be magical. I wish for you to see things unseen and experience all the joys of Halloween. If you're able to do so, do what you can to make this season extra special to someone, even if it's just one person. And if you happen to see the jolly scarecrow man driving down your street, please thank him for me. And that letter was from the artist Rodi Montijo, who brings me endless Halloween joy, and I am so proud to call a friend. All of his art, his t-shirts, his Halloween blind boxes, they all spread such magical Halloween feelings. I will have his Instagram and his shop in my show notes, so definitely check out his work. And I'm just so grateful that you shared the story with me, Rodi. It really touched me during a time that I really needed to hear it. And I hope that it's able to touch those lanterns out there who are also struggling this month to find and capture that Halloween magic. And this is exactly why I've been recommending people to slow down and just look at the world around you and see where you can find a little bit of that Halloween magic. If Rody hadn't been 
just kind of gazing about the street in that moment, he might have totally missed that incredible visual. There really is little bits of Halloween wonder all around us. We just have to be open to seeing it. So whether it's a scarecrow man in a rusted out classic car driving down the street or a pack of black kittens rolling around, tumbling in a Taco Bell parking lot, keep your eyes peeled and please share your Halloween magic with us. You can call the All Hallows Hotline at 802-532-DEAD or you can send us an email at itsalwayshalloweenpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at itsalwayshalloweenpodcast and message us there as well. If you would like to support the podcast and get a little Halloween all year round, then sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash itsalwayshalloween. You can sign up for an annual membership which gives you two free months and guarantees that you'll get a little something spooky every month of the year. You can also support the podcast with a one-time donation in our tip jar or by buying It's Always Halloween merch on Redbubble. If you would like a free and easy way to support us right this moment, then drop everything unless you're stirring a boiling cauldron of potions. And write us a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts. A couple sweet sentences is all you need. Tell the people out there why you love the podcast so that other like-minded ghouls can find us. It really does help us expand our porch and fill it with more glowing lanterns. You can find us on every major podcast platform, so make sure you subscribe to us there, including the NPR One app, where you can tell Ira Glass that you love us. This episode of It's Always Halloween was written, researched, and performed by me, Luce Tomlin-Brenner, with help from our lovely lanterns, Dakota, Tom, Emerson, Desiree, and Rody Montijo. Thank you so much for helping make this episode great. The theme music, editing, and sound design are by the incomparable Pete Burns. Thanks, Pete. This episode and every episode is produced by the It's Always Halloween Patreon ghoul gang with extra help from Grim Turns Tom and Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of It's Always Halloween and come back next time unless someone gets you with a jump scare.